Hello fellow time travelers, I'm Tony Witt with the Doctor Who Target Book Club podcast, the podcast in which we undertake the insert adjective here task of discussing in story order all of the Doctor Who novelizations. I'm joined by... Dalton Hughes. And by... Alison Fitzsafried. And we record our episodes twice a month. You're listening to the Video Junkyard Podcast. Enjoy your travels. This is the Video Junkyard Podcast. A place that appeals to your deepest and darkest fantasies. The dead whose haunted souls hunt the living. I have come here to chew bubblegum and kick ass. And I'm all out of bubblegum. From this nightmare world emerges a fearsome half-man, half-ape with the strength of 20 demons. Hey everybody and welcome back to another episode of the Video Junkyard Podcast, but it's actually our 30th episode of the Video Junkyard Podcast that just occurred to me when <laughs> saving, naming my recording file prior to recording uh, this episode, or hitting record for this episode. So yeah, big number 30, we are uh, getting up there in the numbers. It seems like, it always seems to me like it's a brand new podcast, or like it's a baby podcast still, but um, we're actually getting up there with the number of episodes, so... Um, yeah, without any further ado, I guess yeah. I introduce my my co-host and friend Joe Peterson. How are hey, you doing? Hey, pretty good. Yourself? Um, good. Pretty good. I'm exhausted this week. I don't know. It just seems like we're getting our house ready to put on the market. I think I mentioned yeah. that. Yep. Uh, last week when we recorded, mm-hmm. and uh, yeah, we've just been. I mean, like nonstop cleaning and picking stuff up, and of course we have two two year old twins. So once you clean everything up, you walk out of the room, and then you know it's a disaster by the time you get back again so it's yeah. kind of a process getting everything ready yeah to so. anybody who doesn't have little kids um <laughs> walking out of the room and walking back into the room it's kind of like that scene in poltergeist you know when the mom walks out of the room she comes back and the chairs are stacked yeah that yeah, that's that, exactly like that Only, that's much neater i think than yeah know, that's true <laughs> yeah you ever have to play the game what is on your hands yeah that's... <laughs> oh yes what, what's in your so, mouth is the you know it's funny fun though yeah. oh yeah um or what is <laughs> elsewhere but yeah you oh, know yeah. you just mentioned though that this is our 30th episode <laughs> like we we should do something special when we hit our ages because we're uh approaching that pretty quickly it'll be our our golden episodes Oh God! Oh, <laughs> whatever that's that so means, but... ew okay but uh <laughs> Yeah, so, you know, we got two really good picks, though, I think, for uh, the next couple of weeks here, especially tonight's. This is um, this was a fun one, and actually, this one came by a specific request, right? Yeah, it did, and actually, we are going to review what my, my wife, Corey, says is her favorite film, at least a favorite childhood film of all time. So this is a favorite of hers from growing up. She has watched it again as an adult, I think, many times, and still enjoys it, but definitely was a for- movie that she loved during her formative years and um yeah it just pretty much right away when we started this podcast and i kind of explained what exactly we were going to be doing not that she was shocked that we were going to get together and talk about movies 
but um, kind of what our focus for the podcast was, she pretty much right away said, you got to do this movie, or Mm -hmm. was asking me, does that fit your criteria? And I kind of thought about it for a second. I'm like, yeah, that totally fits our criteria. That's exactly what what we're doing. So I promised we'd eventually get to it. Only took 30 episodes to get there, so that's pretty good for me being a natural procrastinator. Um, (laughs) Yeah, but so here we are. Um, I guess without any further ado, let's go ahead and introduce the movie yeah. we're going to be talking about tonight and that is 1991 film named drop dead fred honey why don't you call him drop dead fred because that's his name daddy like many small children lizzie had an imaginary playmate drop dead fred is going to teach me how to cook today someone she could talk to sugar yeah <gasps> someone she could share with oh grandma bun Someone who would never let her down. No more Drop Dead Fred. Period. Now Lizzie is all grown up. To us. And when her perfect life fell apart. Charles, I lost my money, my car, my husband. She didn't get mad. Drop Dead Fred. She got Fred. Who dropped dead? Drop Dead Fred is this imaginary friend that I had as a child, and he's back. Everybody has strange friends, even you must. But all mine are alive. That's not saying much. (laughs) It's no wonder Charles left you. Haven't got a husband, got a stupid haircut. You see, you just don't know how to make a marriage work. Well, let's get Charles back then. I'll help you. Let's just behave ourselves. Get up. No, bandits. He's back. Yeah, well, what's wrong with that? Nothing, except you're ruining my life. To show her, no matter how bad things look now, (laughs) they can always get infinitely worse. Drop Dead Fred was way out of control. Have I got him? (laughs) Dead little man! Nobody, then. It's because he's invisible, idiot! I don't want an imaginary friend anymore. (laughs) That's it, I hate you! Goodbye forever! Dead Fred. Well, what does that taste like? Every child should have one, especially when she grows up. Almost called it a children's film, but after sitting through it this time, I'm not sure I'm comfortable with calling it that, but it's definitely something that appealed to children when it came out because I remember seeing it as a child. And, and Well, yeah, and I mean, I, I... in. I went back and revisited this one. I remember watching this when it first came out when I was a kid, and uh, I went back and revisited it for tonight, and actually also then watched it again to introduce it to my daughter, because I was like, you know, <laughs> we're going to talk about it, but I bet this is really, I bet this still has some staying power with kids. And Yeah, and she, I think, like, I feel like especially little girls, and maybe I'm wrong, maybe, I don't know, if, mm. but... I feel like it's kind of one of those special movies for young young girls, and most oh, of the people totally. I've talked to that are really big fans of this are are females our age, you know, of our generation. Well, I think it's got a pretty good, you know, uh, message for for girls for little girls at the end of it, you know. Yeah, that, I think so too. And, you know, stand up for yourself, kind of a thing, and you know, you don't need something to define you. And you know, and I don't think I'm reading too much into this, or like trying to you know say how it should have won an Oscar or something like that. But yeah. it. Uh, no, I think it, it's. I think that's why it has some staying power. Uh, also, just because it's a pretty fun, goofy movie, it's got that right level of profanity 
that yes. you know is just appropriate. I mean, there were some things my daughter asked, and I was like, ah, d- don't worry about that. Yeah, I don't like, want to like explain that. Cobwebs, you know. <laughs> I guess we'll call this, uh, yeah, right. <laughs> I guess we'll call this like 1991 kid appropriate. Uh, maybe today yes, that's what I was gonna kids. say. Is like yeah. this was definitely a movie that was deemed to be kid appropriate at the time. I mean, I don't even remember my parents making a fuss about it. I think maybe when they saw it, they were kind of like, maybe this was a bad call, but. I don't remember specifically. Um, I do remember not bringing it home a whole lot, and I'm not sure if that's because it just didn't appeal to me as much or if it was kind of like, ooh, we're going to let the kids forget about that one. I don't, I don't know. Mm. But I do I do kind of remember liking it and being aware of it, and I definitely saw it when I was younger. So mm-hmm. it's, um, yeah, it's an interesting, um, interesting movie in a lot of ways. Uh, so... Yeah, like we said, 1991, um, directed by. Do you have any idea how to pronounce? I apologize if. Um, yeah. You know, it's uh, At De Hong, I think is the way to. Is it Ate De Jong? I don't know. Um, anyway, a- the. A- yeah, A T E space D E space yeah. J A O N. So I, uh, I apologize J-O-N-G. to anyone who's a you know mega rabid Drop Dead Fred fan for um, not knowing the pronunciation of that and to uh i'm gonna call him at Hong. i'm sorry if that's really wrong or mm-hmm. that my like totally like american guying that um name but sorry about that anyway but yeah um apologies for the bad pronunciation uh stars phoebe cates and uh british comedian rick mayhall and and also marcia mason as the kind mm-hmm. of evil mother in the yeah um, yeah so Tim Matheson plays uh, essentially yes, what right. his character from Animal House would have grown up more to become. <laughs> yeah. um, Doesn't he yeah. always kind of play that? Hasn't he always kind of just been that same dude? Like for the most part, he's pretty. I don't want to insult him because I generally like him and things. Yeah, but like... yeah. And also Carrie Fisher in this too, which which is one that oh God, I, I remember this movie pretty well. I didn't rent it a lot, but I rented it, and it had a, a mental impact on me where I remembered quite a lot from it. Um, but the, Carrie Fisher's presence in this is one that always is a second thing to remember. Like, yeah, dropped it, Fred. Oh yeah, she was in that. Yeah, it and actually so... took me by surprise um, when I, and it's her, her name pops in the credits before she ever appears, and I was like, whoa, hang on, I don't remember Carrie Fisher being in this movie. And Carrie Fisher, out of all people, is somebody I would have been very familiar with even as a child. Yeah. So I guess yeah. so it didn't really occur weeks. to me that that was Princess Leia in Drop Dead Fred. So yeah. um, in the anyway. last couple of weeks, we've had two movies we've talked about that have carrie fisher where she's not playing princess leia the burbs and in this yeah and yep. and rick mayall was also in an american werewolf in london was he yeah he is one of the guys in the pub at the he's at the in the slaughtered lamb in the beginning huh i did not realize that i thought he was um he would have been he would have been pretty young when american yes. Werewolf in london yes. was made right yeah so this because yep. this is a good almost 10 years after well it is yeah, but, it's te- this, yeah. this came out that was 81 so but yeah, um, check that one again. Always remember, huh. always a good reason to watch American Wolf in London and see if you can spot yeah. Rick Mayall in the beginning. It's when they're telling the joke in the bar at the very, very beginning. Yeah, and I should do a little... Um, I didn't read a lot about him personally. He's so familiar to me. Like, I've seen him in more things than just Drop Dead Fred. But I looked at his filmography and I was like, uh, actually, I don't think I have. But, I mean, maybe I'm recognizing him from American Wolf in London. Who knows? Yeah. But, I know he was um, in quite a lot of stuff. He he feels like he's been replaced nowadays with Paul Bentley. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah, and he he does this it's very an of the era performance. I feel like I don't know what his comedy was like, but he's very kind of like 
British Jim Carrey esque, you know, yep. it's kind of an over the top. Um, it, a lot of comedians, or, or at least film comedians, at the point or around nineteen ninety one, were doing the same kind of things, and this is just prior to, you know, Jim Carrey becoming a phenomenon as well. So true, um, true. Definitely some some similarities to Jim Carrey's performance in The Mask. I don't know, it reminds me of that, especially. I mean, maybe it's just because they use the bubbly eyes effect and similar to them. But <laughs> yeah, um, there's it. There's some similarities there. I mean, the the kind of character that he's playing, uh, and everything. Well, let's give a quick synopsis, a sure. breakdown of what this is, movie's all about. Um, from IMDb, a young woman finds her already unstable life rocked by the presence of a rambunctious imaginary friend from childhood. Um, so yeah, it's about Phoebe Cates plays a young woman who's kind of down on her marriage, is falling apart, kind of down on her luck, and all of a sudden is revisited by her childhood imaginary friend, who also kind mm-hmm. of happens to be her... I guess backbone for lack of a better term. Sure, her life's kind of fallen apart ever since you know Fred was locked away yeah. in a box, or she she let go of her imaginary friend, drop dead Fred, uh, played by Rick Mayhall. Um, so I think the concept of this film is actually much stronger than the film itself. I really love the idea, mm-hmm. um, especially the way that it like um, it's especially looking at it as an adult. I I, I kind of forgot how seriously. Um, damaged that the character of Elizabeth, the Phoebe Cates character Elizabeth, yep. uh, seem or is in this movie, and that um, you know how basically that Fred is really her other half, and without him, she's uh, you know basically a, a, a pushover, and her her husband, played by Tim Matheson, um, is basically running circles around her, having multiple affairs, and then just, you know, kind of decides to drop her at one point after a couple of years of marriage. She lets her mother, mm-hmm. you know, totally control her life and talk down to her all the time and you get the impression that her father has left the picture because he was kind of chased out by the mother, who's just really yeah. an awful, awful person, um, played by Marsha Mason in the movie. I think I said that already. Yeah. But, um, yeah what, then... what are your impressions as, you know, revisiting this as an adult and especially as a parent because you showed it to, to your daughter as well? Yeah. Yeah. Um... My my memories of it were that it was funny and goofy because I was at that age, you know. So mm-hmm. I was about ten and years it, old. It when is this certainly came that out. as well. But yeah, yeah, I came. This was I was ten when this came out, so I was the perfect age to be like, yeah, this is this goofy movie. Um, yeah, I was ten or eleven, I guess, when I saw it. And it, looking back at it now, um, I feel like overall it still holds up. It's dated in many ways, mm-hmm. like a lot of the movies that we talk about on here are. Um, in fact, it's it's kind of striking when one isn't, but this one's very dated, 1991. Um, but I feel like the um, kind of the the psychology that they're talking about in this it, it didn't strike me as the time, and obviously critics didn't take it really as something that was cutting edge at the time. But it was right. pretty pretty advanced, I think. Um, you know, like I said, I, I showed it to my eight year old daughter, and she. She found it hilarious. She had some questions that we <laughs> either answered or tiptoed around um, <laughs> until a later time. Yeah, um, but but yeah, there's it, certainly some humor in this that is not ne- necessarily child friendly. But it's also, I think, and I mean, my my wife and I were talking about this earlier. It's all stuff like it's like the dirty jokes they throw into a Disney film. Kind of, this is a little yes, more explicit, but more most explicit of this is going to go right over a child's head. Like well, it's yeah. it's not anything that's going to permanently scar them or even even really lead them to asking too many dangerous questions, you know. It's, 
Yeah, it wasn't. It wasn't anything really, really bad. You know, not like you know, what's borking? Nothing like that. You know, <laughs> but um, yeah. but you know, like just the scene when uh, when the waiter gets his clothes ripped off. Yeah. I mean, you don't see like full frontal nudity, but it's like, oh, a naked guy, and you see his butt. She covered her eyes, which was kind of cute. <laughs> yeah, and we were like, oh, you can see that. That's not a huge deal. It's just somebody's butt. And she's like, no. I mean, we weren't like encouraging her, but we wouldn't right. have cared. Everybody's um, got a butt. No, everybody's got a butt, you know. But <laughs> I think um, it, this is really quite clever. And actually, now, currently, or at least they just finished the first season of it, there's uh, a sci fi channel R rated. Uh, miniseries called Happy that's based on a, uh, a yeah. Grant Morrison graphic novel. I have about, heard of Happy and yeah, I, I've not seen it, but we watched it. Um, it's it's intense and it's very very dark. I mean, they call Drop Dead Fred a dark comedy because it's a comedy that has a little bit of seriousness to it. This yeah. is this is like a horror film with the occasional joke. So <laughs> it's. Uh, it's it's very good, but it made it struck me that uh, here's two, you know, two media forms that are uh, you know two pieces that are both about imaginary friends, and the first place they go to is a dark place. Mm-hmm. That's really quite interesting. What does that say? Makes me wonder what it says about the concept of imaginary friends and why somebody needs one and what they or what they do for us in our our lives. Did you have an imaginary friend that you remember when you were a kid? I did not, no. At least not that I remember, but I've never heard that I did, no. Um, I feel like I was a fairly, like, imagine... Or I had a good imagination as a child. I just, yeah, I never... never. But, you know, I also had a sibling close to my age, and I don't know if that makes mm-hmm. a difference necessarily, but um, I, I, I don't know if I it ever could. felt like I had a need to... Like, I, I actually don't know. I don't know what the psychology would be interesting to find out if it's more common in, like, only children or yeah. um, people that are kind of isolated from their siblings. Like, a, a, you know, are you really young when the, all your siblings are really old or vice versa? My um, my older sibling, my older sister, did have an imaginary friend briefly from what I have been told. Mm-hmm. Um, I never had one, but, yeah, she did. And I think it was from before I was born or when I was just a baby and, you know. Because we played a lot. Well, we called it play. Right. It was more just her beating the shit out of me. But you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, she did that to everybody, right? She really did that to everybody. <laughs> and still does. And still does. Yeah, and still no. does. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. Um. So, but yeah, I think this—that's one of the reasons, also, I think, why this this movie had some staying power. Because I think imaginary friends are common enough among kids where it, you know, you know, this is something that I think a lot of kids could relate to, and if you couldn't. It's still it was funny because it was goofy and very you know a lot of slapstick some interesting special effects visual effects and makeup yeah the well. <laughs> I was gonna mention one of the things I wrote down is that the effects definitely didn't age well they're pretty bad throughout even even by standards and I'm comparing this I'm not being you know I'm not being nitpicky like living in the age of you know CGI movies now that we are I'm not you know comparing them I think even compared to 1991 contemporaries it was still pretty yeah so, I remember so I remember effects, not being so. blown away by the special effects when I was a kid. But yeah. the concept and the pranks and the jokes um, are what, what really attracted me to it. And I'll admit, there's um, there was at least one joke, like bad, corny dad joke in this movie that literally did make me laugh out loud while watching this today. Yeah. There, there's some funny yeah. moments there, in the there movie. Some... It's not totally like without... It's In my opinion, it's not quite funny enough to be called a black comedy or whatever. It's it's It gets to be more a little more of a... 
a drama about an imaginary friend. Obviously not as dark as the show, you know, Happy you were talking right. about. But um, it could have, in my opinion, it could have been a little bit funnier when we get to the conclusion. That's one of the things I'll definitely bring up is that I felt, I feel like it, the script's not quite comedy enough and it's not quite drama enough. It just doesn't really. Um, anyway, but yeah, there, there, there are certainly legitimately funny moments. Um, mm-hmm. I feel like just some of the slapstick of uh, him, especially like him controlling her arms in the restaurant and making her throat. I don't know. There's there's some really funny stuff there. I don't find Rick Mayhall's not bad in this movie in any, no, in he's any not. way, but I don't find him to be incredibly funny either. But I think it's just because that like obnoxious 90s kind of comedy didn't age well. Like I think this was probably a pretty funny movie then. Um, I don't yeah, know. Maybe, it, maybe I just saw too much of it and got a little burned out. Like... I think the um, the the jokes that he's telling in the movie, I don't think those were intended to be funny to the audience. Like with him calling her snot face, I don't think kids were going to be. Oh right, yeah. The target audience were going to be like, haha, he called her a, a bad name, you know. As but it's an endearing thing. It's that's more of the character, but they're it's. I think it is. It's the stuff of Phoebe Kate's kind of physical acting that mm. is intended to be funny and it falls a little flat and I think nothing against her as an actress but this seems to be her real and only for as far as I know into physical comedy and it was a bit of a stretch I think yeah. um I think this, she was generally really good in this movie I think like, she, I think, I think she, she was I think the physical comedy stuff it's that was a that was the only part that wasn't as convincing and I think that affected some of the humor because I think that was intended to be more of the humor they were going for to get a reaction and, and it was a and little Phoebe, flat. Phoebe Cates, by the way, is definitely one of my childhood celebrity crushes. <laughs> um, and it, you know, I, I don't know, I haven't seen her around in anything lately. But um, and, and keep in mind, I had not seen Fast Times at Ridgemont High when I was a kid. So this no. was coming from Gremlins. It was coming Gremlins. from Rob Dead Fred. I hadn't seen the the famous pool scene. Didn't see that until I was a teenager. And man, did that have a lot of you know, effects on me, but we won't go into that. <laughs> um, so didn't even like realize that existed. So, and anyway, did anyone not have a little crush on Phoebe Cates at this time? <laughs> like around 1991? Like, yeah, I think maybe uh, uh, probably, a <laughs> but no, I, you know, um, her as an actress actually always stuck with me just from gremlins. And I think this mm-hmm. was one of the first films I saw her in that was not Gremlins. So the, that kind of thing, you know, when there's movies you watch a lot as a really little kid, Gremlins was one of them among Ghostbusters yeah, and a handful of others for mm-hmm. me, that I watched Gremlins a lot. So every time I would see Phoebe Cates in a commercial or in something, it was like, the girl from Gremlins. You know, that was always mm-hmm. like the the node, essentially, from all my references for her. Or, you know, like, same thing with you know a lot of other actors the same thing that's I mean, the guy from this movie that might have been what got me to this movie at some point like yeah i i got i would obsess with movies i loved and, and gremlins was definitely one of them so seeing this in the video store i probably was like yeah that's the girl from gremlins you know and so yeah and this was my first introduction to uh rick meal um yeah and, I mean, and me too and it may still be my own like i'm aware of him like i've come across his name i'm aware he's a comedian that was very popular in the uk probably just prior to this movie being made but um mm-hmm. not that this movie destroyed his career or anything necessarily no, but no so. but yeah i i liked your comparison he's kind of like the the pre preclusion to like a british version of jim carrey, <laughs> jim carrey. i i think that's really a really appropriate jim carrey of course took it to a whole other level with physical comedy i mean the guy is, right but kind you know, of the over i mean it, it's it's it, it's not a bad interpretation there. of the characters of the character he's playing i don't think it's out of place i mean 
Uh, he's playing an imaginary friend, so being animated and over the top is, is certainly comes with the territory. Well, I, I really like this. The, there's the, a, a scene in the psychiatrist office where where Drop Dead Fred sees a bunch of his friends, which are other imaginary friends. Oh yeah, I love that scene actually. But only he can see them, like so. Even Phoebe Cates can't. <laughs> she can see him kind of doing the stuff. It's kind of a neat scene because it's her finally saying, "Oh, this must be how I look," you know, yeah. when when he's doing this to me. But it that actually is a pretty amusing scene to have all these other weird wacky... <laughs> and they're all, all kind of wacky and um yeah i know that, that that was great that was one of the better scenes of the film like i feel like there's a there's there's certainly a a lot to like here yeah um i don't know what it was about this movie that really like appealed to because i i've i've known multiple people not just my wife but multiple people that count this film as like among their favorite films that they saw as a kid. And maybe it's just the, the kind of some of the ideas behind it, like the imaginary friend kind of being your, you know, that's always got your back, kind of your warrior and your, your, um, not your dark side necessarily, but the, um, trying to think like, what's a good name for somebody who's kind of holds you up and is your, um, you know, support system. Like your rock, you know, there's somebody's their rock. And I think so. I mean, I, it was funny because when, when I was talking to my wife about like, oh yeah, we're going to revisit Drop Dead Fred, she was like, yeah, I, I liked that movie. I remember that. But then, you know, like it and remember it enough where you still like, wait, it was about this, right? You know, like yeah. she remembers liking it. And one of the questions she has, it wasn't he essentially kind of a surrogate father to her? And really, not, yeah, not I mean, really, because he's around when she's a kid when her dad's still there. And he doesn't come back then until later in her life. But I guess in a way, the way he acts, the, the the advice he essentially, the lesson she learns inadvertently through him later in life is kind of something that a parental figure could help with. Yeah. Right? With And then they with, ruined it with a super awkward kiss in the last scene. But It was weird. Yes. Yeah, that one was kind of a strange... <laughs> yes, I agree with It, it kind of went Peter Pan for a second. It was weird. Yeah. Yeah, the ending that the, the ending scene when he when he goes away is a bit strange. Um, it's I mean it's actually a really nice scene up until like yeah, I, and then they like he kisses her like not like a little kiss on the cheek or like a fatherly. It's like full on on the mouth like it's a kiss, right? I mean, at yeah, least but that's what it looked like to me. It, like, it was, but it, it was really short. Yeah, that's it true. It really was more. It was, it, but you're right. It was a little longer than it would be like a dad kissing his daughter. Yeah, and it was a little. Too... It was just a little awkward in the moment because he was. He's, he's very. He's being very parental. He's showing like all of a sudden this maturity, like as he knows he's fading away or moving on. You know. Yeah. Um, and that just kind of, it spoiled it a little bit for me because I think otherwise it's a pretty pretty good scene. One of the better scenes in the movie up there with the uh, all the imaginary friends in the psychiatrist's office. I like that one a lot too. Yeah. Um, I actually That's... like some of my other favorite moments of the movie is them and, you know, um, child Elizabeth and they're goofing around and playing pranks on people. Yeah. Um, yeah. That was really cute. Uh, the mud pies and everything. And yeah, but yeah, like the, the, I think some of the scenes of, of him making her arms do things, you know, are, the they, funny, they, yeah. they could have been funnier i think i don't know if they'd ever be really funny but with the right you know with the right actor or actress that really is 
that could be better. Yeah. And again, and I'm not I'm not criticizing Phoebe Kate's acting ability. I'm just saying her physical comedy wasn't <laughs> oh, yeah, as it's probably not what she's not her yeah, forte. Anyway, right, so. right. I bet the, it felt to be a bit of a bit of a stretch. So I'm trying to think like if this movie were to be remade today, yeah, you'd have like Jim Carrey playing Drop Dead Fred, um, or somebody. Yeah. I'm trying to think who else. Well, Who's like the and... new physical comedy? Did you know, and I don't know how much the Wikipedia page you read, because that's where I got this from, but um, this movie was offered when the screenplay was purchased by um, whoever put it, I don't remember which studio, but um, was offered to Tim Burton and yeah. Robin Williams. They met with them at the same time, and it was like a joint contract offer. So it was going to be a Tim Burton film, Robin Williams being the vehicle, um, playing Drop Dead Fred in the movie. And I went, okay. I mean, <laughs> three times I wrote down, like, this this is like a wannabe Tim Burton movie, you know, this director wishes he was Tim Burton, blah, 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 or at least the set designer. Um, and didn't really surprise me when I read that, and I went, oh, okay, well, they obviously from the get-go had a Burton-esque style. Um, yeah. This yeah, would have I... been a very different movie, I think, with um, Tim Burton, and especially with Robin Williams. I mean, I think it would have been a hell of a lot better in both cases, but... Um, who knows? I mean, <laughs> they, they passed on the project. It wasn't really something they were interested in, so... It's, yeah, uh... I mean, this... I think this is something that... Yeah, it would have been very different with them. I think it would have been... I think the story would have had to evolve, too. There's some things I don't see Robin Williams doing. But then again, with Tim Burton, I'm very curious to see how this would, would go. Mm. I could see Tim Burton directing this. Yeah, me too. Um, Especially right in this era. Like, it would have been the perfect kind of thing for him to do right then because this is the same year as edward scissorhands right 91 right as edward yeah yeah so i mean we're talking it's just post beetlejuice um he's riding on his high the height that he's never you know gotten back to in his long career so um yeah it yeah. would have been interesting i'm surprised i'm and even the subject matter seems like something that's kind of right up his alley i'm a little surprised he passed on it um yeah i i wonder so if I it's it, it's Perhaps, and I'm just speculating, it was one of those projects that's like, this is almost too much like him. Like, it's clearly a story written by somebody trying to... Get me to direct the movie. <laughs> or trying trying to do a Tim Burton movie. Right. And now they want Tim Burton to do their Tim Burton movie. Yeah, and that's just speculation, but it, it kind of felt like that. Um, I'm, I'm intrigued with the idea of, if this were to be made today, I could see Tim Burton directing this today. Um, yeah. I'm trying to think who would be Elizabeth. Like, who do we have that's a physical, that that's a comedian that's also very good at physical comedy? You know, um, I could see almost the entire cast of the new Ghostbusters. Each I was going to say, I was just going to say, yeah. uh, what's her name from Saturday Night Live? That's um, well, not, Kate so. McKinnon. Anyway, Kate McKinnon, that's her name. Yeah, I knew that. Yeah. And Leslie Jones. <laughs> like I said, like when I was watching this again, the, the, second, the second time with, with my daughter, you know, I got kind of to thinking, yeah, this movie is actually... The, the end message, you know, about you don't need a man to define your life and to have self-confidence. Like, that's a that's a cool message. You know, I'm, I'm good. I, I show this to my daughter. That's great. Yeah. And then I got thinking about, you know, other kind of slapstick, goofy movies that are aimed like that or could be, you know, that, like, well, the new Ghostbusters. And I was like, yeah, you know what? Gosh, all Leslie Jones, Kate McKinnon, Kristen Wiig, all, Melissa McCarthy, all of them could do this. I could see each one of them in this role today. And it maybe yeah oh, i mean this... i think both Kristen wig and melissa mccarthy are a little old for it but the other two i think would be perfect both of them would, would could work but 
Um, yeah. I think this is a movie that actually could be remade today and be successful. Yeah, I think so. I think it's kind of a story that would really fit kind of modern, like right now. This would be a good right now remake. Like, yeah. Um, because it's really a sad story. It's about a person who's a victim of abuse, like in ne- never physical in the way that they show it, and, uh, but definitely um, verbal and you know just kind of like mental abuse from her mother and from um, pretty much everyone in her life, or eventually her husband, and even Carrie Fisher, who plays her best friend, is not exactly the nicest person to her. Um, yeah, I mean, yeah, prior I to her, you know, sinking her houseboat. After that, I don't blame her, but like, <laughs> she is kind of like the. Well, I think she she fills in nicely with this role of here's a a tough a tougher person that is mm-hmm. essentially kind to her and caring to her. You know, like tries to help her stand up to her mom, um, but at the same time, she's this you know very strong, independent you know character. But she's got some flaws too. Yeah, you know, quite. Well, a few. I think mostly like she doesn't want to be looking after somebody is essentially what, yeah, it comes down to. But mm-hmm. she does. I mean, she caves and does the right thing and gets her gets her house sunk into the river further than the whatever for it. Yeah, but um, yeah, I, I I actually really like Carrie Fisher's character in this. I think it does it does nice because it you know you've got the Elizabeth character who's really you know like there's a lot like she essentially in in, in one hour. She loses her husband. She loses her car. She loses <laughs> her job. and her job, and you know something else. I mean, she she's really I mean, going through. It's then, really about. Then, I mean, if we want to break it down to it, it's a, be the serious subject matter of this film. It's about somebody having a breakdown and they're reverting yeah. back to their childhood. Like yep. Um, yep. And it's about that childhood friend working through this with them and, and her coming out as a stronger person in the end. So it does it. I mean, I love all of that about it. Like the yeah. story and like the concept of it is great. And that's why I agree with you that this could make a really great remake right now. I, this could be a better movie than it is. Unfortunately, yeah. it's pandering to like the snot and fart jokes and kind of 1991 style Jim Carrey-esque humor detracts from yeah message a bit and it's not like it's totally lost in translation i mean i totally got all of the you know what it was going for it's just not quite as powerful of a film as it could be uh which i wanted to share with this was kind of universally panned when it came out siskel and ebert gave it you know two thumbs down and um people just kind of generally hated this movie um except for a group of people that were our age you know that were kids when this came out i think there's a lot of love for it and a lot of people that remember it however there was one contemporary uh, film critic and I he's actually an author and film critic not familiar with his work but Carl J. Schroeder who wrote the mystical movie guide and is quoted on Wikipedia as saying um, now grown up I'm gonna I'm just gonna start in the middle of a quote here but he's this is from a longer review of the film but now grown up the woman is forgotten and is about to lose her soul so events call for some kind of literal return of her demon to force the exposure of her pain the psychic crisis is poignantly realistic. The creature who is visible only to the woman is like a poltergeist energy of her repressed self, a problematic ego container into which her powers of assertion and creativity were poured and stored. The movie's resolution is startlingly beautiful, which I yeah. think is really gushing about the movie, maybe a bit more than I would comfortably gush about it, but I think he's right. I think that's the guts yeah, of what they I were trying too. to accomplish as, you know, the filmmakers. And, but. and I think to some kids, uh, you know, boy or girl, I think that these, uh, that that, re- that resolution 
is something that that has a you know there's a high chance that kids are going to pick up on that and i think that's you know it it is the the snot and fart jokes um to me you know when i was a kid watching this the funnier stuff was like shaving a cat you know the scene where he shaves (laughs) the cat that was funny or more than the you know smashing his face in the refrigerator and it becomes this cartoonish thing i didn't care for that i didn't care for the snot and fart jokes i liked the you know the the mischief type stuff um, yeah. at, at 10 years old that's Getting the kind of stuff you find funny bench, which is what right drop dead fred calls her mother you yeah know. you know those... if, you, if you want to know why it's rated pg-13 he calls her that about 15 times in the movie so yeah like, you know but, he uh, the, the the dog poop all over the furniture and stuff you know that was the <laughs> right. gross funny gross out stuff to me so i guess some of the fart and snot jokes were funny too but more i think that's why this movie holds on to you in a way is because it it there's something to be learned from it and that's not something you can say about other classic slapstick comedies. You know, I'm, I'll, I have no shame in saying that Dumb and Dumber is one of my favorite comedies of all time. Oh, God, Not my yeah, all-time favorite, but it's up there. It's up in my top five or top ten. Um, but there's no message at the end of that. It's not, what, the power of friendship? No, it's 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 an hour and a half, two it's hours a, of, of yeah, slapstick comedy. comedy. Gross-out comedy, yeah. Right, but this um, one actually has... Um, yeah, something a little I, bit different, and it's not—it's not the kind of the corny ending of just like say goodbye to friends kind of thing like you see in Little Monsters, well, the, which we re- reviewed, you know. But this one is, uh, you know, it, it's the got ending a, a really good... drives this one home. I think that, and I think you were, um, you know, picking a little bit at the end scene, and yeah, was it perfect? No, nothing in the movie was done, quote unquote, perfectly. I don't think, right. but but I think the the resolution is very good, and, and the scene is very touching in a lot of ways. Not necessarily like your. Cur- balling your eyes out or anything necessarily it's just not the right tone of the movie but um it is touching in a way until the awkward kiss and i'm gonna keep bringing up because that just was a bad decision i think but anyway yeah um (laughs) yeah so um but then at the very very end of course you know the last scene yeah that's and that's you know it was cute yes god yeah i was gonna i was just gonna say cute and stop myself my my uber man stepped in and stopped myself from calling it cute but that's exactly what it was it was a cute ending that's like <laughs> but no it, i think it it has a, a a sweet aspect and you know again you can read into it too much if you want to perhaps but you know the, she kind of she sees the guy that she's not rushing to get into a relationship with i i like i really liked how the the old childhood friend mickey that she mm-hmm. you know runs into who's kind of he's, he's clearly showing an interest in her the entire movie yeah. Well, he's also um, down and out, down on his luck as well. Yeah, he's been let. You know, he's gone through a divorce. He has a child. He's a single. He's a single father. Yep, living with his mother again, I believe. And so, yeah, no, there's a lot of we didn't even talk yeah. about his character and kind yeah, of how which... he's the perfect like, um, kind of the perfect match. And everybody knows it the second he shows up and just takes her a while yep. to realize. Like, but you know. know what I liked about it though is yeah, he's he's that character that you see in a lot of films, right? You know, like he's essentially he's like he's the guy that's going to make it all better right yeah she's going to go to at the end but they 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 don't exactly get together at the end they do but they don't they leave it they leave it open enough where i mean maybe he's just a good friend or you know but i like resume their friendship like i really like that and drop dead fred is you know the imaginary friend of her of his his daughter so um you know elizabeth keeps fred in her life in a way you know so 
yeah, it's all tied up really nicely. Well, and you also kind of makes the you forget that it, that a lot of you know there were scenes in between that kind of wasted your wasted your time. <laughs> in yeah, between, you know, yeah. I mean, of, but I the the yeah. little smile that she gives at the end when she realizes that this little girl has dropped dead Fred now in her life, mm. it's kind of a everything's gonna be okay, you know, both for her and this little girl. She'll she'll get through. She's got him right, and he yeah. And so yeah, that was uh. He's got her back now because you know Elizabeth's all, all grown up, <laughs> right? And so it's it was just yeah there was there's a lot there's a lot there in some some little scenes. So I think there's um, yeah this is a pretty smart movie. It's just yeah the the execution it is. It's of just it the execution's a little sloppy at points. Yeah. And it just um, if you had to give it a grade, I feel like what it's not sure. Yeah, it's you know I, I I gave it a C. I feel like I've 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 warmed a bit to it, but I'm going to, since we've been talking about it, but I, I still think there's enough. My issue with it is it's, it's kind of, it's kind of unsteady. Like it's not always great. Some of the scenes don't work. The special effects are horrendous at times. Um, and more, more like horrendous, like they're not even trying. It's like, I'm fine with bad special effects as long as, you know, the scene works or the acting's good or whatever. But, um, also the humor just kind of detracts at times from the message of the movie and that's that being said, there are some certainly really funny scenes or moments in the movie, and they're I, I feel like the performances are good overall. I think especially Rick Mayhall and Marsha Mason are great in this movie. Um, she's just I mean, you, you hate her from like kind of the first scene she's in. Oh yeah, she just gets worse, and, and so v- great villain um, for the for the movie, and the way that they leave that character at the end is. I mean, she gets exactly what she deserves. She feels that isolation and that kind of, you know, what she's been making her daughter live <laughs> her entire life. But anyway, I'm going exactly. on. But yeah, I feel like it, it's it, it just not quite funny enough and just not quite a strong enough drama. So it got lost somewhere in the middle. And I, I don't know, you know, it, it's tough to say what would have made that work better for me, but um, just didn't quite get there. I'm going to stick with that, that C but it it's certainly got a lot to like about it. It's not like I mm-hmm. hate it, and I'm certain I certainly will uh, enjoy showing this one to my children at some point. So, I I'd say like B minus to C plus. You know, I give it a little bit more. I'd say um I think just the I was I think for me personally the story and the concept and and the message are so good. It allows me to kind of oversee some of the some of the flaws and and I think knowing also like we had talked about that this was originally targeted to, you know like Tim Burton and Robin Williams they um you know there's there's a good story here that is worthy of these A-list you know would have been worthy of A-list actors and directors like this nothing against the cast but we're you know A-list the kind yeah. of blockbuster style and I think honestly um when when Tim Burton and Robin Williams passed on this, I think they made a huge mistake, because I think if they would have made this movie, it would be one of the classics. I think so too, especially at that time when I think Tim Burton was just on his game, yep. like creatively, he was just, you know, that that was his era. So yeah, um, but uh, yep, that was a yeah. mistake, and both their parts. And can you imagine how wonderful Robin Williams would have been in that part? Not that, and I'm not detracting or, or insulting Rick Mayall at all. Um, by saying that but it's just kind of like one of those parts that was made for robin williams right yeah so, i agree and yeah, it probably was literally <laughs> yeah i think so i think so but well hopefully Corey is satisfied with our review yeah um, i hope so i did invite her to be on the show and she respectfully yeah. declined but i might get her someday i'm gonna get her to 
yeah come on and talk about something or maybe i'll even record a little blurb if she wants to talk about drop dead fred sometimes so yeah i'd love to hear it i'd love to hear it so next week we're going to be looking at 1991's bruce willis vehicle hudson hawk which is also the only film in his career that he also contributed to the story so yeah next week hudson hawk i'm looking forward to that and um coming up after that we got we're kind of going to jump back into our norm and do some horror stuff, but it's something a little different than what we usually do. And we're going to look at a couple of the Stephen King television miniseries. Yeah, um, quite a I few believe... to choose from, actually. This was these... a lot to choose from. These yeah. were hard to, to decide which ones we were actually going to be looking at because, you know, it's not it, obviously, because that would, it's, would be derivative and it's... It is already a new thing again, right? Blockbuster, right. record-breaking horror film, um, which is also quite good. But no, some of the, uh, I want to say, almost lesser spoken of Stephen King miniseries. Yeah, and both that are, I believe, considered to be classics by some, <laughs> you know, their one, fans. One more than other, perhaps, but... Yes, uh, okay, one is certainly a classic, in, in my opinion, and the other, the other I can't wait to get get to because i haven't seen it since it aired when i was a you know fairly young kid so be interesting mm -hmm. yes absolutely so otherwise uh tune in next week to hear our discussion on hudson hawk but i want to thank everybody uh, as usual for tuning in uh, make sure you leave us a comment is about drop dead fred was it a film you had seen what are your memories of it did it have any kind of impact on you who do you think could be be good in it if it were hypothetically to be remade today yeah, um, please share your reviews with us of this film or any of the films that we, re we review on the Video Junkyard Podcast. Uh, send us a review while we read it on the show, and we'll also send you some stuff. So we got a whole bin of uh, stuff to give away here. So And uh, yeah, let us know your reviews. If you take time to write it, we'll take the time to read it. That is the policy around here. But I want to thank everybody once again for tuning in. Until next time, this is Joe Peterson. This is Eric Branson. Thanks, everyone. You have been listening to the Video Junkyard Podcast. I do wish we could chat longer, but I'm having an old friend for dinner. You just can't let them go? Go! Stay on the road. Keep clear to the moors. We want to take this opportunity to thank you for listening to the Video Junkyard Podcast and remind you to find us on social media on Facebook at facebook.com slash Podcast. On Twitter at Video Junk Pod, and on Instagram as Video Junkyard Podcast, all one word. Want to thank you again for listening and keep digging. Who knows what treasures you'll find in the Video Junkyard? <laughs>